And hello and welcome everyone to the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. As always, I'm your host, Joel, and this, I can already tell you, Matt, is going to be a very Superman-centric episode, so I wore the right shirt and I got the right glass for it. It is. I have also got the right glass for it. I didn't wear the right shirt because I have to go out after this right. uh, to an important meeting, so yeah, I look a bit fancy. Ah, there you my go. My button-up button shirt. <laughs> fancy, Matt. If this was a fighting game, this would be his alternate character skin. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's we're we're recording this on Monday. We wanted to record it Sunday, but for some reason Skype was not being a team player. So if you're listening to this on Patreon, which if you're a patron, you'll always get to listen to it first. Thank you for all the new people who donated this month. Sorry about that. We try to be prompt with this thing. Yeah, yeah, just un, unforeseen technical difficulties. Yeah, Matt and I basically were both looking at each other and we're like, "Well, this isn't going to be getting any better, so I guess we have to cancel for tonight." <laughs> Yep, yep. And uh, as you said, you have an appointment, so we actually started a little earlier, and I won't keep you, which is why I think we should hop right into the news, shouldn't you? I think we should. Alrighty then. So you know what, Matt? It's been a long time on this show since we've talked about like a real solid fuck-up, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't actually really remember the the last, like, real solid one it's been a bit you know a real deal fiasco but oh oh the comic community oh the geek community totally had one for us this week i don't know how many people have heard about the universal fan con have you heard about it matt I have, I, I don't exactly know much about it, but I have heard about it. It was all over our Twitter feeds, wasn't it? I know at least one mm-hmm. person who was going, who kind of gave me the play-by-play. She's uh, affiliated with uh, NerdSync. Nice lady, she'll know who she is if she ever listens to this episode. <laughs> but yeah, Universal Fan Con was a big, like, kickstarted fan con that was going to be in Baltimore, Maryland. It was supposed to be yep. this weekend. I say supposed to be because literally like hours before the doors were supposed to open and literally before anything was supposed to happen, all the major backers got emails saying, yeah, it's been postponed indefinitely. We're going to have to reschedule. Yeah, that, that's, this seems to be like a running thing with like fan organized exhibitions, conventions, because I know like um, I can't, it was a while back. I know, like Tumblr did like their own convention, and it yes. like failed horribly. That's right. And I think like there was like furry conventions that failed horribly. Is it is it the Tumblr convention I was thinking that had the ball pit, the very sad yeah. ball pit? <laughs> yes, that was like their consolation prize. If you okay. pay for a ticket, but you couldn't get to the show, you could just go in the ball pit that All someone right. apparently pissed in. <laughs> I'm gl- I'm glad we were thinking of the same thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, fans are not professionals, and it actually takes a fair amount of professionals to put on a worthwhile con. This yeah. this was a huge fuck-up because vendors and industry people and everything, they had come to Baltimore assuming a con was going to happen, assuming they were going to get paid, and because you and I do this all the time, Matt, it's a lot to spend to go to another city to get a hotel for a couple days to have enough work saved up so you can go and work the con. This this was a pretty big fuck-up, and there was a lot of very unhappy people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was seeing all sorts of, like, uh, like artists, writers, mm-hmm. celebrities, and all that sort of getting pretty upset that they had to spend their own money to get to mm-hmm. Baltimore, only to find out that, no, you're not getting paid or anything. Yep. It's Monday now, no new word about it. They uh, The only thing they've done is a bit of damage control because obviously the internet detectives were out in force and being like, hey, the woman who claims to be running this thing, 
Apparently she apparently she ran a couple other fan funded cons that never ended up happening back in mm. 2016. Now, is she just wholly incompetent? Are the people running this incompetent or are they actively scamming people? We don't know. Yeah, it, it's kind of it, it's kind of hard to like pinpoint, but yeah, it kind of makes you think that maybe they're just trying to scam people. It's uh, it's certainly looking like that now. Now, in a you know, in effort of showing some silver lining and actually highlighting some people doing some good stuff for the fan and geek community, there were some really nice stories I heard about uh, what is it that group. Uh, Black Heroes Matter, you've probably seen their shirts and uh, blurb girls and everything. They actually went around and they actually rented out a building to have an impromptu pop-up con so a bunch of the artists and vendors could recoup some of their losses. That's that's cool. That's That's cool. That's very nice. So, you know, hey, if anyone out there is from those groups, hey, cheers (laughs) to you. Thanks for being good people. Thanks for, you know, trying to help everyone out there. But yeah, that's, man, what a fuck up. What a fiasco. It's not every day we get to talk about one of these. And here's the beautiful part about it. This story keeps developing. So by this time next week, we might actually have some more stuff to say. Yeah, I'm interested to see what exactly is going on. I always like following these type of events because it's it's interesting how the things played out and how they thought they could organize this big thing, but they were wholly incompetent by the sounds of it. Yeah, here's the funny thing too. The people on my Twitter feed were doing such a good job selling this and talking about it. I'm like, man, Universal Fan Con sounds fun. Is that something I want to go to? Is that something I want to try and spend the money for? Glad I didn't or else you'd be hearing a bunch <laughs> of very pissed off tweets from me being like, what the fuck am I going to do in Baltimore? Maryland. <laughs> I could go to Point Lookout, maybe. I was there in the Fallout games. I'm sure it's just like that. <laughs> and then you'd get more Instagram posts of me walking around Point Lookout and be like, oh, there's no irradiated rednecks here. There's no punga fruit. This place sucks. <laughs> I only know vacation destinations from places I've been in Fallout. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ironically many places. Yeah, ironically. Ironically, yeah. I think I know my way around the Arlington Cemetery just from playing Fallout 3. <laughs> Which, there's a useful skill I can use at some point. <laughs> yeah, in case you get, you know, kidnapped by, like, a Scooby-Doo villain and dumped in the Arlington Cemetery. <laughs> oh, he'd be like a, he'd be like a military theme ghost. He'd be like, you know, Soldier 6666. <laughs> And I'd have to try and fight him, and then I'd pull off his mask and be like, oh, it was old Mr. Jenkins. All along, he was trying to get the doubloons that were buried in the graveyard, because it's always about yeah. doubloons. It's a, it's an old real estate developer. You know what, <laughs> I, I, I watched that Supernatural episode where they had oh, the yeah. Scooby-Doo crossover. Oh my god, that was so cool. Was it? Because here's the funny thing. You know who it was act- so good. You know who actually sold it to me and actually said they loved it and this blew me away? My dad of all people, said he was flipping channels. Because my dad loves Scooby-Doo. That's the one thing he's actually kind of nerdy about. It's something he grew up with back in the 60s. And he's like, yeah, I watched... I've never watched an episode of Supernatural before in my life. Is that a show? And I'm like, yeah, Dad, it's a show. He's like, oh, I thought it was actually really funny. Yeah, yeah. The show show is kind of developed kind of like how Legends has gone, where they've kind of just kind of rolled with the comedic parts of it a little bit more recently, and it's worked out very well for them. They're leaning into the joke, and I mean... Scooby-Doo is master of the crossover. They've crossed over with Batman and the Harlem Globetrotters and Phyllis Diller and Kiss and the WWE. There's no one Scooby-Doo won't cross over with. (laughs) 
which is why I'm proud to announce uh, next month you can get ready for the comic multiverse <laughs> meets Scooby-Doo crossover. <laughs> you see, uh, you see oh, Matt God. and I uh, uh, own a haunted hotel, right, where the two owners of that, and we call in the mystery machine. We call in those kids <laughs> to help us deal with a ghost problem. <laughs> No, you know what it should be? It should be a haunted comic book shop. We own a, co- a haunted comic book shop, and they need to come and help <laughs> us out. Now, now this project will be done as soon as we can, uh, what is it? As, as soon as we can take some donations for this one. We're going to fan group fund this one, like the Universal Fan Con. We're going to get all the fan artists out there to draw this crossover. And then, you know, once it's done, we'll show it to you. So, you know, fan artists out there, get get to work on the Scooby-Doo comic <laughs> multiverse crossover. Yes, we, we promise it will come. We promise we won't run off with your money. No, no, no. Even, even if We'd I have never to, lie to you. No, of course not. Even if I have to take the pictures and I have to turn it into a flip book and I just flip it for the audience. <laughs> Matt and I will provide our own voices, of course. We won't be like Kiss who has a Scooby-Doo crossover, then doesn't provide their voices or even their songs. (laughs) Fucking kiss. (laughs) Yeah, kiss. (laughs) But hey, believe it or not, there's actually some comic book news this week. Uh, Solicitations came out for July, and July, of course, is the big, uh, big for both comic book companies, both Marvel and DC. Marvel will be entering its fresh start phase, so we got a lot of new books coming down the pipeline there. Uh, DC is also getting a bunch of new titles and also working some stuff around, but they're not making a big deal about it. No, they, yeah, they're kind of having a fresh start with a lot of their books, like Justice League, Superman, Action Comics, and all that. But yeah, they're not really, they're just like, ah, oh, this is just happening. They haven't given it a name, but for all intents and purposes, they're going to have DC Fresh Start 2. Or, um, to put it more accurately, and this is what I would have gone with, Rebirth 2. Yeah. Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) (laughs) Rebirth, the second coming. (laughs) See, that's what they should have called it. You had Rebirth, that's why the next phase should have been second coming. And then the third would have just been, you know, like, Trinity. But you already have a book called Trinity, so shit. <laughs> and then quadrinogy and so on oh, and so God. forth but uh yeah one of the big pieces of news there that we saw or actually i should say lack of news when you look at the marvel solicitations they have all the new books that they've announced that's come out but one mystery book that they left redacted it's an x-men family <laughs> book we know that much but we don't know anything else about it yeah this is this is strange and I'm wondering if maybe maybe because um this coming week Hunt for Wolverine starts. Yes. So I'm wondering if maybe it's because that's like his um solo series. He, either his solo series or him like coming back to the X Men. Right. In some like they they'll make like a team they'll make like maybe a book just called X Men. Right. Well, and he'll be like the leader or like a big member of it or something. Yeah. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Well, here's the thing: we have X Men Red. X-Men Blue, X-Men Gold, uh, Astonishing X-Men, which of course will be taken over by uh, Rosenberg after issue 13. We don't have Uncanny X-Men right now, and Uncanny X-Men is the one everybody knows. That's the one with the name cachet. Yeah, so it could be could be that. I know, I, well, I, I think I've like heard rumors that like maybe like Gold and Blue might be ending, mm. or... Or they'll be doing something with them where they both like just become one book or something. Red's kind of weird because it's just started. Yeah, you see, I I thought that too, 
But the fact that they got Matthew Rosenberg writing it, one of the, you know, five hotshot young writers who are going to be writing everything in Marvel Fresh Start, I'm like, oh, well, then I guess it's not ending then, because why would you put a new writer on it if it's ending? I guess they figure, you know Hmm. what, we've rebooted the X-Men titles enough, we can't reboot them anymore. (laughs) We just have to stick with it and offer a fresh jumping on point. And maybe they'll do that for gold, too. Maybe they'll uh, swap around the gold team and get a new writer in there at some point. It's possible. I'd like to see Matthew Rosenberg do both books and like have them cross over every now and then with and you could you could make it a bit more continuity friendly with both of the t- him writing both of them. That would be nice. That would definitely be fun. I know you and I have been ruminating and theorizing where it's like, man, wouldn't it be cool to see Hickman come back and wouldn't it be cool to have Hickman do for the X-Men what he did with Avengers? Yeah, yeah, I'd like Hickman to come back to do something like that. I'd like like Charles Soule to take a, a mainline X-Men book. Yeah, well, well, it's funny. He did have Astonishing. Now he's yeah, off Astonishing. Astonishing. So, yeah, it's yeah. like, where are they going to move Charles Soule? Oh, we'll just move him over here to another one. Yeah, well, he, he's doing, like, the Wolverine thing, so he could be on this new one yeah. somewhere. It's very likely. Well, well that's, that's what we were theorizing, that if, you know, Wolverine, when he inevitably... <laughs> gets a new standalone book, it would only make sense to have Charles Soule write it for a little bit. He killed him. He's writing his big coming back story, so obviously he should take that torch and run with it. Yeah, yeah. That'd be really cool. And I like uh, Soul's Wolverine. I think he has a good grasp on the character. Mm. I think his Death of Wolverine story was one of the last Death of storylines that I actually really enjoyed, because it wasn't tacky. He just told a story celebrating Logan's life and history. It wasn't tacky, and it wasn't it wasn't one of those event deaths where they're like, oh yeah, they they're dead for the summer, but they'll be coming back next yeah. year. Yeah, he was dead, and it actually stuck for a pretty long amount of time. It stuck long enough that I'm going to be sad to see what happens to old man Logan. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we talked about this last week. Are they going to handle that in extermination? Are they going to handle that in the pages of old man Logan? Because I mean, his story is pretty much set in stone. He has to go back. He has to go back so time can be saved and so they don't create another paradox. Yeah, it, it, something has to happen with him. And yeah, yeah I'm, are they going to do like another Death of Wolverine story? <laughs> I, I don't know. Some, some fans I know in the comment section, yes, fans, I read your comments. I care very much what you have to say. Had an interesting theory. What if they sent Wolverine back in time but right before shit got bad, and so he could use his knowledge of the future to actually stop the old man Logan future from happening. They they could, but like, didn't he also? Tr- he's, there there was like a big arc in his book where he like tried to do that, wasn't that, it? That did happen. He literally stole the yeah. ability to travel through time with the whole prospect of trying to save his family, not even save the world, just save his family from the bad stuff that happened. That's how the Lemire run ended, and at the end of it, he's like, you know what, it's not worth it. Time is what it is. I need to stop looking backward. I need to start looking forward. Yeah, so that doing that could probably undo the character development he it went is. through in that. Yeah. It's it's also kind yeah. of shitting, over, uh, shitting all over Millar's book, too, where it's like, no, that book very decidedly didn't have a happy ending. Don't cram in a happy ending just to make yourself feel better about getting rid of Old Man Logan. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I feel about it. So, you know, good good for that. You know, lots of stuff to look forward to. Again, you know, this might be enough dang blasted to make me start reading X-Men again. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I've been kind of interested in what they're going to be doing with them now that they've seemingly got the rights back to them on the the media movie side and everything. So yeah, I'm interested. They get they're giving a shit indeed. And hey, speaking of rights and everything, another piece of news we got this week: we got the cover for Fantastic Four number one from Dan Slott. Yeah, art by Assad Ribic looks mm, amazing. Looking really good. Oh, Reed's got a big beard. Beard Reed is good. Reed, isn't he? <laughs> Beard Reed is good Reed. And the, the, the thing, though, looks kind of weird. He does look a little weird. He looks a little non-human, especially because I really like how they've been drawing him in Marvel 2-in-1 recently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks a little weird. That's going to be a cool series, I'll tell you that much. I'm definitely Yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see what Dan Slott does with him. I know. Isn't it nice to be excited for Dan Slott again? Like, ooh, Iron <laughs> Man, ooh, Fantastic Four. He could be doing anything. We don't know. Yeah, that's it's going to be really cool. It is. Uh, hey, you know, keeping up with uh, Marvel Fresh Start and what they got going on and everything. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg said Punisher will be getting a fresh start, number one. And he's going back to the streets. He's getting rid of the armor in a move that will shock and surprise nobody, especially if you're reading that series. <laughs> oh, wow. He's going back to what he usually does. Oh, what a shock. No, shock. really. No, really. Frank Castle going back to basics. It's not like he doesn't do that every two to three years. <laughs> but but Rosenberg did say, and obviously this would happen, that he's going to honor what happened in the War Machine storyline. And the thing is, and again, he's working it in the book right now, where it's like, obviously the hero community thinks Frank is too dangerous to have an armor of his own. They're going to try and take it away from him. He's not going to go easy. Uh, but he also has said to himself that, you know, man, with this armor and with uh, all these, you know, new elevated powers, I've been able to, you know, enact change that I was never able to enact before, just shooting muggers and carjackers and everything. I should keep doing my punishment crusade that I've been doing, but I should aim higher than I've ever aimed before. And I'm like, ooh, I like that. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. I kind of fell off on the new book. I do want to catch up on it because... Um, I've been hearing like his war machine stuff has been really cool. It has been for me mostly. <laughs> yeah, I, I have been wanting to catch up, and I've been wanting to read a Punisher book mm. and ongoing for a while now. But yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what he does. Mm -hmm. The uh, the first arc of that has just ended, so now would actually be a good time to catch up if you want a full story. Yeah, there you go. So uh, now is that everything from Marvel that we got? Going? Oh no no no, we got we got one more big piece here. Uh, so, uh, everyone's favorite surly grandpa, James Cameron, came out of his underwater <laughs> hidey hole to tell everyone that he really hopes that everyone's going to get sick of Avengers movies very soon so they can go back to making real movies like the ones he makes. Yeah, like the 50 Avatar sequels he's got greenlit. And I, th those comments, he, he also like was talking about like how Guardians of the Galaxy is irresponsible science fiction. Oh. And I'm like... The f it's a it's an escapist film. What the fuck, man? James Cameron. I think all that time underwater. I think you literally have water in the brain right now. Are, are you cranky, <laughs> James? Do you need a nap, Mister Cameron? Yeah, I I think he's he's getting worried that like these movies are going to overtake like Titanic and or yeah. on like the the leaderboards and everything. I think he's getting getting to that point. L look, man. I know, like Martin Prince before you, you thought you were king of summertime. But you're not king of summertime anymore, and I know that must be hard to lose that crown, but you don't need to be scared, James. Also, 
talk about, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, like you said, Matt. Have you not been spending, like, 20 years working on a sequel to your Blue Cat People movie that was basically a glorified theme park ride? Are you not, like, trying to adapt a bunch of anime properties? Did you not spend years of your life adapting a Spider-Man movie that never got off the ground because it was bad? Yeah, yeah, he was going on about how all these movies aren't original, yet he's doing, you know, seven avatar films that are basically pocahontas ripoffs yes. uh, he's he's rebooting terminator mm-hmm. you know he's doing all this stuff from his past i think that there's there was talk of like a true lies tv series oh, or something God. so yeah you know he, he can't really say anything it, i think in the same interview james cameron also compared his avatar sequel to the godfather to where i'm like yeah. okay okay yeah. N- now you're just taking the piss james okay <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who who you would think that he was telling the truth there. Like everyone would be asking, like, what he's smoking. I mean, yeah. Hey, you know uh, what is it? You made some really amazing movies, some even better sequels. But come on, man, don't don't be that way. Don't be that way, James Cameron. Yeah. Let's let's remember the good James Cameron, not the angry old man who yells at cloud. <laughs> James Cameron is quickly becoming that meme right now of old man yells out loud. <laughs> Fucking Avengers movies, man. Such bullshit. And it's so transparent to where it's like, come on, man. You don't have to feel threatened that people might not like your movie when it comes up. People like all sorts of movies now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much more transparent he could get and unless he came out and said, I'm worried these movies are going to overtake me. It's like, come on, man. Terminator. You can just say Terminator forever. That's yeah. fine. Your, your movie is part of, like, the pop culture lexicon and yeah. landscape. You don't have to feel yeah. threatened, man. You don't have yeah. to do anything. Yeah, Aliens. Yeah, Aliens, That's man. damn good film. Yeah, don't, you don't... The only person who can play you, James Cameron, is you. So don't play yourself. <laughs> and check yourself before you wreck yourself. Just so you know. But yeah, so that's the James Cameron news story. I thought we'd have a fun little back and forth on that because I know Matt and I actually respect James Cameron quite a lot in the work he's done, which makes this story even more funny. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, some other interesting news that came out this week. And again, I alluded to it earlier on that this summer DC Comics is basically going through its own rebirth, its own... uh, fresh start even though they're not drawing attention to it and not calling it bleeding cool actually had a lot of rumors that they were talking about about possible new creative teams who are going to be joining new books now again it's bleeding cool so you know take it with a pinch of salt but also remember basically everything bleeding cool has written about marvel in the last little bit has been 100 percent correct yeah, and so some of these some of these creative teams have me have me really excited. Absolutely. Like here's the thing. The creative teams we're gonna talk about and the books they're gonna be writing, this is like, man, I hope this is true, because if you're teasing me, that would be mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh first and foremost, a fan favorite of mine, supposedly David F. Walker could very well be writing a new flash book in the future. Ooh, exciting. Now, this is interesting, and this this they actually gave a lot of pretty good insight in the article I read talking about this one, and that is, hey, David F. Walker was in really good with Brian Michael Bendis at Marvel before he left. And the deal mm-hmm. is, if Bendis was leaving, Walker would become the new steward of Miles Morales' Spider-Man, who, as of yet, they mm-hmm. have not announced a new book. Furthermore, David F. Walker quit Marvel as well, 
and is now doing indie comics. He's actually doing a really funny uh, web comic that you can read on his Instagram page. It's really good. But the idea is here is that maybe maybe he only soft quit comics, and maybe because Bendis now has pull and cachet over at DC, he's like, hey, David, sorry, the Miles thing never worked out. Come come over here and have a job. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that definitely having, like, he, he followed his friend over there, and it's like, ooh, now that you have some pull, could I do, like, Flash? Because let's face it, Matt, if either one of us had gotten fired but got a better job somewhere else, we totally would be open in the back door and be like, quick, come in before someone notices. Quick, quick, quick. Quick before Jeff Johns or Dan DiDio come back from lunch. Come in here. Quick, get to work on Flash before they notice. I love David Walker so much. I hate that Marvel seemed to set him up with projects that were doomed to fail from the get-go, like, you know, Occupy Avengers. Great series. No one was going to buy that but me. Luke Cage, probably the best solo run on the character in years. No one was reading it but me, etc., etc. And Walker Mm -hmm. has worked at DC before. He did, like, the new 52 Cyborg run no one was reading. Yeah. (laughs) But, hey, this is a Flash book. People might read it. Interestingly, though, they're saying it's a Flash book. They're not saying it's Barry, though. Yeah, this this obviously comes after Flash War, which mm-hmm. seems to change everything. Um, so yeah, it it could be any of the Flashes. Absolutely, I would love to see a solo uh, Wally book, especially because Wally doesn't look to be on the Titans anymore. It would be interesting to see what kind of adventures he could have on his own if they spun him out. Yeah, yeah, that that'd be really cool. Like. Uh, like two flash books one with wally one with barry maybe yeah there you go hey two great tastes that taste good together and you kind of have your choice now although in the back of my head i'm also thinking of like you know how often uh intentionally and unintentionally racist the comic industry is where it's like oh we have a hot in demand beloved black writer hmm what do we do hey do you want to write wally 2 in a solo book you wanna? You wanna do that, David? Huh? Huh? And to which David F. Walker is probably like, I'll do it. I'll do a good job of it, but I'm not gonna be happy about it. <laughs> or he'll go like, yeah, sure, and then just like every other page is filled with the yellow Wally. <laughs> yeah, j- just to fuck with people. Which, here's the thing, I actually don't hate Wally too from what I've read of him in Titans. I will admit I didn't read him when he started, where, you know, uh, back in New 52 Flash, where apparently he was a bit of a dick and he was hard to like. I think now that people have the choice of Wallys, I think the other Wally too has a chance to really, you know, uh, what's the word, uh... Uh, kind of break the mold and kind of strike out on his own. Christopher Priest did a really good job writing him in Deathstroke when he was part of Deathstroke's Teen Titans team. Yeah, yeah, he could do, like, his own thing and yeah. do it completely different from these other two Flashes. Yeah, plus plus he's the TV-adjacent one. Yes, there's a Wally on TV, but we all know which Wally he's more like. Yeah. So that's the thing as well. You know what? I hope this is true because, again... This would make me pick up a Flash book. I love the Flash and other stuff, but I have not read a mainline Flash book in a very long time. I, I've been I've been reading it. I've, I haven't been reviewing it. I've been reading it mainly because I'm going to be catching up on it very soon. It's, it's been very good. That's very good, good lately. You see, uh, Joshua Williams is writing that, and he's really good, and I love Williamson's work. 
Yeah. The, the problem Flash runs into, I think, is a lot of the problem that Captain America runs into, and that is his runs are rarely ever important to the bigger universe. So even though if you're a Flash fan, you're probably going to love it, and he's probably not going to cross over with too much other stuff and get in the way and muddy the waters, it's just hard to get new eyes on. It's like if you're not already a Flash fan and you're not already reading it religiously... Mm-hmm. yeah yeah well that's the thing like if if david f walker does come over then then we could and we could have like like crossovers with like bendis's superman and yeah. all that sort of stuff which that would be fun i'm sure they'd kick out a hell of a story there uh per- perhaps bigger than this news we have what could possibly be going on in green lantern and green lantern is going mm-hmm. through a lot of upheaval right now dan jurgens is of course off uh off action comics he had his final story this week in Action Comics number 1000, he's going to be writing Green Lanterns now. That's pretty cool. Which, that's for sure. That's not a rumor. We know that's happening. And I'm like, oh, he's an interesting choice for it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if he's also doing art for it because the, his art with the Green Lanterns would be really cool. It is. You know, it's funny there where it's like, yeah, you know, here's Jurgens who's shown himself to be like a real workhorse of the comic industry, been working there forever. I mean, man... Fucking created Booster Gold, had his hands all over uh, Death of Superman back in the day, and can still do it, is still knocking him out. Yeah, yeah, that that's pretty cool. He's he's prone to the occasional Twitter meltdown saying John Stewart the comedian is shit and fat people shouldn't be on planes, but you know, that aside <laughs> the man writes a mean Superman. <laughs> It'd be funny to see him write the two younger Green Lanterns. I'll be interested to see where that go. That book has had an interesting trajectory and pedigree. But yeah, so he's going to be taking Green Lanterns. That begs the question, who's going to be taking over the Green Lantern book once this ends? That's uh, who, Who's writing that now? It's the Exo Manowar guy, right? Uh, Robert Venditti. Venditti, yeah, the, the former Valiant guy. who He actually walked by me in a restaurant one time, and I didn't know it was him until afterwards. <laughs> like, legitimately, like, everyone else was shaking his hand. And I'm being like, oh, that's one of them Valiant writer guys. No, he's the guy who writes Green Lantern. Too. Oh! Oh, I could have met Robert Venditti. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> the moral of the story, kids, is always shake hands, because you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Me just sitting there slack Everyone really seems to like that guy. But yeah, so I, I can only assume he's going to be done his run soon because he's been on Green Lantern since the beginning of DC Rebirth. He's been having like a Tynan-level run. Well, yeah. He, well, he's actually been writing Green Lantern since before yeah. Rebirth. He And then he, he wrote Green Lantern and then he transitioned over to Hal Jordan and the Green oh. Lantern Corps. Oh, so he's been having a, ben, a Benjamin Percy run where he was writing it even before. But yeah, so he... He yeah. might be closing up shop soon, and apparently, according to Bleeding Cool, the rumor for the new writer is Grant fucking Morrison, of all people. When I saw this, I'm like, oh, this, this has to be a big mistake and everything. But then I like sort of thought about it. I'm like, I want this. It's I al- want this so bad. It's that thing where it's like, it's almost too good to be true, but it's also one of those things where it's like, okay, so we're closing up shop on Green Lantern soon. We've had a couple really good runs in a row. Uh, okay, hey, you know, writers who work outside us but are pretty good, um, would anyone be interested in taking a stab at this? And Grant Morrison being like, oh, I've never written the Green Lantern before. Oh, you know, I've been really thinking about space lately and aliens and transcendentalism. I'll take it. (laughs) Oh, I I would love it. And it it seems to imply as well the book is going from Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps to just being called Green Lantern. Again, yeah. Yeah. Which is also very, man, 
it's like a, a guy like Grant Morrison, even if some of his ideas are absolutely insane, he's another guy where it's like, that's that's an idea man is what that is. And I think Green Lantern needs an idea man to kind of like break it open like Jeff Johns did and been like, nah, man, it's all in continuity. Yeah, I, I would love it, especially like now post-metal where like we have like like the source walls broken anything yes. can come through it he could go he could just go with that you just tell him look grant the source wall is broken down he's like oh i've got an idea for that the, the chains are off you do whatever you want whatever golden age fucking weirdness you just you just do it you just you you just <laughs> grant it up man would it would it be even like more surprising? I don't think this has happened because I think there might be off limits. Is if they they say, oh, it's good new Green Lantern book, it's Alan Scott. Oh, again, I think the rumor is yes. The rumor is that apparently Jeff Johns is the only one who gets to write JSA. Yeah. at the moment. Yeah, but, but that's not to say they couldn't bring shit back from the JSA if they wanted. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, here's the funny thing. Uh, when Grant Morrison was writing uh, his Justice League, it was Kyle, right? It was Kyle Rayner who was Green Lantern at the time. I believe so, yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if he's just like, you know what? Hal's going away for a little bit. Hal's had too much time. He's a little overexposed. He's too powerful. He's too godlike now. We're going to follow <laughs> Kyle now because I wrote Kyle. I, I'd like that. Kyle just got back to being a Green Lantern. So, yeah, it'd be pretty cool. That would be funny. Be like, yeah, you know, Hal's still around, but, you know, he's too busy running the day-to-day -day operations of, uh, what is it, of the main uh, core and everything. Also, this is funny, too, because, like, clearly the Green Lantern books are getting shuffled because Jon Stewart is going to be on the Justice League, and he's becoming, like, what, the Omega Lantern or something? He's becoming the Ultraviolet Lantern? They're making, like, a new Lantern uh, color-up. Just for him. Yeah. Next, there'll be the Neon Lanterns. I want to be a Neon Lantern. It's just me with glow sticks and ecstasy. What are my powers? To have a great time. That's my power. And no one wants to be the Black Light Lantern. No, no, no. The Black Light Lantern. By my powers. The piano? Why the piano? I don't even understand. Yeah, his his power is his day job. Like he just runs an Airbnb, and that's his power to be the Black Light Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, so some interesting things going in the Green Lantern book. I would not be surprised if they flipped the script and if it wasn't Hal. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see it not be Hal. Just for the fuck of it, where it's like you know maybe we're out of Hal Jordan stories. Maybe we've told too many. Maybe we need. To I love if it. he. Love if it was Grant Morrison. He just like chose like, like some random lantern member like Chip, the ah, the squirrel lantern. <laughs> that's fine. And again, he's Grant Morrison. You slap his name on it, people will read it. But or just like a book about Mogo. <laughs> I would read that too. That's also fine. There's very few things you can say <laughs> that I wouldn't be fine with. Uh, another thing that people might be beyond fine with, actually, and this is this is actually kind of goes back to the conversation we had before about DC Black Label, and that is, man, these are some really amazing writers here. Why aren't they getting them to write main universe stuff? Well, we heard that Kelly Sue DeConnick was going to have a Wonder Woman book for Black Label. Well, according to this Bleeding Cool rumor, she might also be writing Aquaman. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Just mind-blown, and like in a way where I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't have thought of it, but yeah. 
Yeah, it it, it it would be pretty cool. Is is still Dan Abnett writing Aquaman at the moment? Yeah, I think so. I think he's been writing it this long, which again, he was writing it before New 52 too, so he's had a very long run and he's going to have to close up shop eventually. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I, w- I kind of like the idea of a woman voice on Aquaman, especially in a day and age where Mira has become such an important character. It would be fun to kind of get her take on that dynamic and everything. I, I don't even know where Aquaman's yeah. at right now because I was so tired where it's like, oh, he's a criminal again and he's wanted by Atlantis and he grew his hair and his beard to look like Jason Momoa. And I'm like, and I'm done. <laughs> Although from what I understand, that story was actually a very good version of that story. I've heard a hundred times. It's just I heard it a hundred times and I was sick of it. Mm. I can only assume that when Abnett's done his run, he's going to have to become king again, and they're going to have to return to the status quo and start writing kingly Aquaman again. Yeah, well, did did he get a? T- was he one of the people who got a teaser in in the at the end of Metal? Yes, that Atlantis um, was going to rise above the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's that. Yeah, maybe. Which I'm fine with that too. That sounds like an interesting uh, premise to take. And I mean, hey, if Deconic can, you know, really could have really opened up uh, Carol Danvers back in the day and see her become Captain Marvel and really kind of elevate that character from like a fan favorite but kind of niche to being like a major player in the universe, imagine what she could do with Aquaman. Hmm. I'd really like to see her tackle it. I would like to see that too. More power to her. It, again, this is one of those ideas where it's like, you know what? This would get me back reading Aquaman, actually, if this turned out to be true. Mm. Because <laughs> you'd have yeah, to check totally. it out. Uh, the last one is probably the biggest and also probably one of the most no-brainers. How have they never done this before? The final bleeding cool rumor for new DC uh, writing teams, uh, Brian Azzarello for Suicide Squad. Uh, okay cool i guess (laughs) i mean the man clearly doesn't like superheroes but the suicide squad are not superheroes they're super villains (laughs) they're morally repugnant they're all about you know double crossing each other and doing like serious crime stories all stuff that brian azarello uh excels at yeah yeah i'm wondering if like he'll go back and forth on like one of their origins like he did on wonder woman ah yeah like, no, she would, like, Captain Boomerang is from here. No, he's from there. Killer Croc has a skin condition. No, he's an actual crocodile. Probably. Captain Boomerang is not from Australia. He's actually from New Zealand, and I will die on this hill. <laughs> You'll all have to fight me on that one. Also, Harley Quinn, her color scheme isn't black and red anymore. It's orange and blue. Fight me on it. <laughs> Also, Batman has sex with Batgirl over and over again in every backup story. Fight me on it. <laughs> Not even... We've got to base an event around it. <laughs> <laughs> you stupid nerds, fight me on it. Why, why do you have to be this way, Brian Azzarello? Why, why do you have to be so confrontative with your audience all the time? Yeah. I work with Frank Miller, guys. <laughs> yeah, because fuck you, I'm Brian Azzarello. My beard is long, my, ha- my hair is short and shiny. <laughs> <laughs> I wear little glasses and fuck you. I wake up every morning, I open my Google Word document, start writing, and drink a warm, hot glass of fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, like Azrael on Suicide Squad, I've often said with the last couple runs of Suicide Squad, they never had a writer with any personality, and that always bugged me. Yeah. 
Because it's like, you know, when other writers would have a Suicide Squad run, there would be personality to it. You could know that that was that particular creator doing it. Like, who's doing it now? Like, Rob Thomas or some shit? And I'm just like, this is this is all very generic. And it's also way too close to the movie. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the problem that seems to be cropping up with Suicide Squad. Wherever I see them, they're like, oh, they're just trying to make it like the movie. Yeah. I would hope if Azarello took the reins on it, he would, again, completely blow it up and do his own thing and be like, okay, here's villains I want to write about for a change. Yeah, I, I would really like them to see the change the whole team. Like, n- none of the people who are on the team at the moment, like, get a whole new yeah. crew in of, like, just surprise characters. Yeah, like, you, like, bring, like, bring, bring, I know, I know he was on The Secret Six, but, like, bring Catman into it or something. Please do bring anyone back. Uh, Azarello likes Bane. Bane ain't doing shit. Have Bane yeah. be on the Suicide Squad. Let him be the muscle of the team for a bit. I mean, you have to have Deadshot because Deadshot and Waller are basically the only two consistent members. You would need them they're probably gonna force him to have harley quinn on the team because she is now apparently synonymous with the suicide squad even though she never was until five years ago yeah which thank you movies for writing a completely alternate continuity on this one and being like history (laughs) well whatever but yeah you know what hey if those turn out to be true those uh those all sound pretty cool they do. They really sound pretty cool. I'm really excited, especially for Green Landon. Yeah, I, I, I like this is one of those news things where it's like these are too good to be true, but I really hope they all end up being true at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I guess with that, we can hop on over into what we read this week. And it was a pretty meaty week. It was a pretty pretty big week. Uh-huh. I guess we can start off with the one I'm sure everyone wanted us to talk about. Uh, Action Comics number 1000. Action Comics. I'm showing my issue on the screen uh, now. I got the um, I got the Joshua Middleton 80s variant. Nice. My my issue's in the other room. I got the one where it's uh where it's like uh, four different generations of Superman. You got like Black Suit, Death of Superman. You got New 52. Then you got like the Burn and everything else up here. And I got the Clay Man one too. Oh, nice, nice. I really like the Clayman one, where he's just, it's just yeah. him standing there looking all heroic and stuff. It was good stuff. Uh, yeah. se- seeing as you're the biggest Superman fan among us, Matt, and because I'm sure this was like <laughs> Christmas to you, I will let you take point on this, sir. It it, it really was Christmas to me. Um, yeah, well, where do we begin? This the this, There isn't an actual story in this no. book. It's all, anth- all anthology stories uh, uh, celebrating different parts of Superman's history from... Way back in the 30s till now. What was your favorite of the anthologies? I know I have mine. What oh, was God. your favorite? I, I have a couple. I, I really liked uh, Tomasi and Gleason's, I guess, final like word on Superman, which was really cool. It was like a, a short story involving Vandal Savage showing mm. Superman his history. Beautiful looking. Gleason is a freaking artistic chameleon that he could, uh, what is it, ape all of those old styles. Oh, it it was so good. Some of the like the and like the the stuff it was referencing as well, like Superman and the Mole Men, the animated series General Zod, Kingdom Come, you know, yeah, Kingdom Come. Um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, the the Fleischer cartoons, mm-hmm. the the old thirties costume, all these really cool stuff. It's really good. The bit where him stopping up the train with his body is a pretty goddamn great image, isn't it? 
It is. It is. It's so good. So I, good. I like it too because he drew him with like the 1930s musculature. Where it's like, hey, I'm out of shape, in shape guy. I've got a little of a gut, but I could also probably wrestle you pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Like every every page was kind of consistent with the art style of that time. Also, nice use of hyper time. I like Vandal Savage being like, "Yo, I weaponized hyper time to force you to live your greatest moments over and over again, <laughs> so you can get to the future." But ah, damn it, Superman had an amazing life. I did not account for this. <laughs> it's hell being Vandal. Yeah, uh, another story I really liked was uh, Jeff Johns and uh, Richard Donner's story, The Car. This was my favorite one. Yeah, and we basically get a like a continuation from Action Comics 1 of what happened to that famous green car that's yes. on the cover and like the owner of that. Yeah, the crook that was driving it, the 1950s mobster, and he's like running around telling everyone, no, it was a man in a cape, a man in a cape broke the car and they're like, you've been drinking, man? Are you are you okay? Did you hit your... <laughs> everyone thinks he's crazy, and rightly so. Yeah, and the Superman finds him again and it's like, hey, you, don't be bad. Yeah, stop you, doing you, crimes. Yeah, stop doing crime. Be, be, be good. And he does. He, he sprays kids with water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> During a heat wave, he opens up the, uh, what is it, the fire hydrant. I'm like, oh, that's The fire nice. hydrant. It's yeah. Like, Superman is so nice and so good and so pure. He doesn't actually want to fight this guy anymore. He gets him to turn his life around with the subtext being like, okay, you can turn your life around or I can throw you again with my super strength. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what was another? I, I like Ron Mars's um, and John Cassidy's uh, faster than a speeding bullet story. Mm. That was really cool. Where where Superman stops literally a speeding bullet from like two inches away from someone's head, and and it's all about how that these people are the ones that inspire Superman. Mm-hmm. Where where they think it's the other way around. Yeah, lots of lots of love letter stuff going on. Hey, here's the thing. Uh, Matt and I have been very honest about our feelings of Tom King. Uh, I didn't hate Tom King's Superman story. I actually thought it was kind of a cool idea. It, it was. It was a really interesting idea, and it, it it showed that he actually kind of thought about it yeah. and and gave some gave some thought about it. Absolutely, being like, yeah, you know, I'm sure w- when the Earth dies and the hills are but dust and everything, Superman will of course still be alive. How how does Superman deal with mourning the Earth, the planet that he was raised on, the planet that his parents are from, and everything? I bet that would make him sad, but it would also make him kind of hopeful because you know he defended the Earth until the very end and everything. I'm like, see. Tom King isn't a hack. It's just, you know, he works well when he has a direction and he's concentrated and when it's a short. Yeah, Yeah, when it's like three, four pages. But man, talk about three good pages and talk about Clay Mann's art. I hope he and Tom King work together again on something because their styles really complement one another. Yeah, they really do. I really liked his art in that story. It's good stuff. Oh. What other ones were there in that one? Oh, oh, I guess we got to talk about this. We got to talk about the biggie. Uh, uh, what is it? Jurgens opened the book with a story, and then Brian Michael Bendis ended it with a story that's going to lead us into his new run. What What did you think of that? What did yeah. you think of the truth about Krypton? 
I don't really know what to think about it. It's, um, it's, it, it has all the hallmarks of Bendis right out of the gate. You, you you can't say he lied to you. You can't say he pulled the wool over <laughs> your eyes because he's like, here's everything I do in one story. <laughs> yeah, it's it's for the Bendis speak where the characters just, they they think they sound normal, but they really don't. Every Everyone's got a bit of verbal diary. In fact... For the first couple pages, we don't even hear Superman talk. It's two diner waitresses who pull Superman out of the rubble. And they, they have a conversation about the trunks because the trunks are back and they're the first story to address it. Yeah, the trunks the, the trunks are back. And we don't get, actually get an explanation of why they're back, which huh. I imagine is going to be happening in like either his Man of Steel series or those one of, one of those specials yeah. from Superman or Action Comics. You know what? I'm honestly um, fine if they never explain it. It's just like fine, yeah, he has them yeah. back now. Yeah, yeah, they don't really need to. Um, but yeah, I I don't know how to... I did like some of the stuff. Like, I like that, like, when um, uh, the bad guy, Ro- Rogel Zar. Yeah, yeah, how do, I think we're going to be calling him Zar from now on out. I've heard some yeah. people say uh, Rubel Zar. I've heard some people say Rogal, Rugal, Rubish, Ruben, Ruben Sandwich. Yeah, I'll just call him Zar. Probably, uh, probably like when, not a good idea to have your brand new villain have a name that we cannot agree on how to pronounce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I liked it when he, like, like punched Superman into a window and Superman, like, stopped himself before he hit the window. I thought that was a nice touch. Nice self-control. Pro- problems I have, though, is that the little dialogue we did get of him, he sounds a lot like Peter Parker. Yeah, a little bit, little bit. His internal monologue sounds like a much younger person. Yeah, it, like that or like Miles Morales or something. And that probably comes from Bendis writing all these young characters for so long. Yeah, and like he can't write him gritty. He can't write him like he like uh, writes Jessica Jones in Daredevil because that would make no sense in Superman's mind either. No, I would like to see if, like, once he gets into writing his actual book where they, they have, like, crossovers with Batman, I'd like to see his, him writing Batman like he writes, like, Daredevil or Jessica Jones. That, that seems like the obvious one, right? Where it's like, okay, uh, Brian, you can write whatever you want. Write Batman. You wrote some of the greatest modern Daredevil. You wrote some of the best modern noir in Jessica Jones. Wait, why are we letting Tom King still write this book when we have him over here? <laughs> <laughs> Bendis, who could literally like fart this out in his sleep. <laughs> uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, I thought that 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 was kind of weird that he sounds like a lot younger than he actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is the story seems to involve Krypton. Yep. Fresh on the heels of two rather big Krypton stories. Mm-hmm. Where Brian <laughs> ones was- that one one that also looks to be like thrown like the continuity of it thrown to question by this story yep boy boy howdy did it ever because we just had that mr oz story where superman goes back in time with booster gold because you know he needs to see the death of krypton he needs to see how it happened to see you know uh if this guy was lying or not and it happened exactly as we know it to happen only for this yeah, new villain to come. We know along. Manhattan is somehow involved with taking his father. Yep, only for Rugalzar, Rogalzar to come around and be like, "Oh, I, I knew your dad, Jor-El, and I told him that you know all Kryptonians need to die, and that's why I blew up Krypton." 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and somewhere in the ether, Black Zero is like, we, we used to blow up Krypton. We, we blew up Krypton sometimes. Why does no one remember us except except for the TV show that remembers us? <laughs> yeah, um, that that was kind of when that kind of got me worried. Like, oh, are we starting to do the, the whole creativity over continuity thing again? Right away. Also, hey, I'm sure as someone who's read Superman Earth 1 and everything, wait, wait, having having a Krypton killer and having a dude who was like actually responsible for blowing up the planet, didn't Straczynski do this already? Yeah, first volume of of Earth 1, his, his villain, I can't remember his villain's name because it was really forgettable. Like the Grand um, Commander. Yeah, he, he was kind of like the same sort of thing as Zar. As, uh, to which, again, it's like, hey, Brian, I'm sure you thought that was really clever when you wrote it. I know on Twitter when you had your big list of Superman books that you were doing to catch up on, I noticed that book wasn't in there. So I'll give you Probably a, should have been. I'll give you a pass on not reading it, but again, this makes me really worried about DC Editorial that no one stepped in and said, yeah, well, you see, Brian, we kind of kind of did this already in an else world if you make the main universe feel like the else world then what the hell is the point of the else world anymore if we start copying yeah. off each other's tests yeah again uh, i i'm convinced that oh it's, it's brian michael bendis we'll let him do whatever he wants we'll let him we'll let him rock with it but we just we just had a story about it coming so <laughs> soon you can't you can't even hope that people forgot because it's pretty clear they're not gonna forget because we've made a huge deal out of it yeah yeah that's a thing uh it to compliment it uh i like supergirl was active in this story i like the superman books are actively acknowledging her again after so much of being like i know she's off in her own city doing her own thing yeah i i don't actually know what's happening with like her in regards to like when he takes over the books like is her book ending or is is he going to be writing that as well? Uh, well, that that book is already done, Supergirl, and apparently, and again, now I, I can't actually really. Speak. Yeah, oh yeah, I think it's been done for a bit now, Supergirl. Actually, I haven't seen. I, it. I know it's on like issue twenty, right? Um, and that came out a couple weeks. I'm I'm like two issues behind. Right. Well, uh, again, I think that might be one of the other books that get it, that's getting DC Rebirth two, getting DC fresh started. And uh, and this one I can't actually talk about because someone told me how this one is going to go, so I'm, I can't say anything. I've been sworn to secrecy. <laughs> but yeah, don't be don't be surprised if you see more Supergirl in the next little bit. Yeah, and also like Zar calls her his cousin sister, which is yeah, really weird. That is weird. Alien speak. I'm like, look, I know they're from Kansas, Rogels are. I don't know how deep in Kansas you think they're from. If you got cousin sister and uncle grandpa and everything else. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how they do things on your planet, Rogels are. Whatever the fuck that place is. Yeah. So um. Yeah, his story was. It kind of raised a lot of questions. <laughs> it, it got it got me interested, though. For sure. And, you know, it's like, you know, hats off for not lulling us into a false sense of security about what a Bendis Superman story might be. Oh, okay. He's getting all his bad habits out right away, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so well, I know, like, before his actual um, book starts uh, in on May 30th, I think the first week of May, he has another Superman story in that DC Nation book. Which, again, is basically DC Rebirth Universe number two, but we're not calling it that. Pretty much, yeah. 
so that's that, everybody. But yeah, Action Comics, it was pretty damn cool. You know, 80-year anniversaries don't come but once in a lifetime, and I'm glad to say that you and I got to live through this watershed moment, Matt. Yeah, I really enjoyed the book, and it's probably something I'm going to read every now and then because hmm. it's, it's a nice book. It is. Now uh, now we patiently wait for Detective Comics number 1000, where they roll out the red carpet and do way more for Batman's anniversary, because they always do. Yeah. Yeah, he'll get, like, animated shorts, TV oh. movies, or, you know, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, that of was course. A, that was actually a fun conversation we had over on Elseworlds Exchange, the other podcast that I co-host, where we're like, okay, let's, let's fan-pitch Detective Comics number 1000. Who gets a story in that one? Go! <laughs> uh who would get a story I, I imagine it'd be pretty much all like the same sort of people who did the superman one you know your tom kings mm-hmm. yeah your tynans yeah, you know um grant morrison will I, have a story yeah yeah definitely uh all the pe- all the people who had big batman stories basically De- would get them denny o'neill will have a story if he's still alive yeah. and god willing he will be uh Jeff Loeb should have a story, but apparently Jeff Loeb is really, really pissed at DC at the moment. Okay. <laughs> so he might not, even though he probably should. Uh, actually, there were some people who probably should have had a story in Action Comics who didn't. No, no John Byrne. No, no, no John, no um, Grant Morrison. No, it's like, it's like Byrne I get. Byrne's kind of been being an asshole recently in public and like i can understand not wanting to pick up the phone again same with batman chuck dixon should probably have a story in detective number 1000 but i wouldn't be surprised if they didn't pick up the phone and call him because really <laughs> fuck him recently <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the thing about it but yeah it was it was a fun story it was a fun fun story it it really was but uh yeah and hey that wasn't even all the superman we got this week matt there was even more superman happening there was we had superman issue 45 tomasi's last last issue Ugh, what a tearjerker this one was it was and i really liked it because it was basically a reverse of the first issue yes whereas them moving to hamilton this was them leaving hamilton Mm -hmm. it was a real sunrise sunset it's funny too it, it almost felt like Tomasi was working through his own issues about saying goodbye to writing Superman through John. Yeah. He was like, I don't want to leave. All my friends are here. All my best memories are here. How can I ever let go? And Superman being like, you know, no, change change is good. They say change is good in like five different ways in that story. They do. They they, they make a, a good point at saying that, that the change is good. And all the stories, like Clark tells his son, all the analogies he uses are really good. They, uh, they even reuse that Robert Frost poem, Nothing Gold Can Stay. So, hey, if you're a literary nerd as well as a superhero nerd like I am, you're going to have a raging Semite over this one. Because <laughs> it was good. We also kind of got some closure about what was going on with Boy Zaro and uh, Robin Zaro. They're just going to live in Hamilton with Kathy now. Yeah, yeah, I'm cool with that. That's fine. That's cool. Again, man, between her and nobody and these two bizarros and all their pets and everything, I'm like, that's that's a book right there. Can we have a Hamilton County book? I yeah, I'd really like that. That'd be really cool. I mean, especially because we know like most of the people who live there were aliens that came with Manchester Black. So 
yeah yeah that, that'd be like a really cool book just some alien town masquerading as like an uh, quiet american backwoods town and hey speaking of manchester black he even drops reference to that being like oh yeah manchester black's mind is still inside this cow they don't know that yeah you as the reader know that he'll be back <laughs> Yeah, I, oh, I love that they like they dropped that. And um, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, yes, yes, they remembered. Here's here's hoping whatever Tomasi writes next, here's hoping he follows up on that. That'd be pretty cool. And again, we don't even know what Tomasi's going to write soon. Assumably, he'll have to go and nah. write something. Oh, yeah, yeah, he'll be he'll be doing something. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was that was a fun one. That was a sad one. It was hard to let it go, wasn't it? Much like the characters in the story, I didn't want it to be over. I didn't want to let it no. go. No, I, I didn't either, but it ended, like, really well. Yeah, because that run was just so good and so positive, and it was, you know, again, it really gave a lot of time to the growth of Superboy as a character. Like, I think... Tomasi has worked miracles a couple times. He made Damien more likable, and he really put John over as a new character worth watching. Yeah, it it, it emphasized the Superman family, mm-hmm. it, 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 the aspect of that, and getting actually did something with that. Whereas, I don't think any other writer really would have. They would have just gone, "Oh no, I got a Superman book. Well, we need action and punching robots mm-hmm. and stuff." The- Where we had like whole issues of like. Like Batman come and eat pie at the yeah. at the Kent house and all that sort of stuff. The man gets father son relationships really really well. Yeah, I think I had a comment on one of mine asking if if Tomasi is a father because he writ, wrote John really really well. He's here's the thing about Tomasi: no one knows that much about him. He's a very private dude. <laughs> he 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 never even had a Twitter page for the longest time. He's big mystery. <laughs> He's a mystery man. Hell, I I didn't even know what he looked like until just recently when he was going to comic yeah. shops to sign this final issue. And I'm like, oh, oh, he looks like me in 20 years. <laughs> we even have the same Superman shirt we got off T Pub. Like, we even got the like old retro <laughs> Superman shirt. I tweeted that picture. I'm like, I like this man's work. I like his taste in shirts even more. <laughs> <laughs> like like literally he looks like he could have been a guest host on the comic multiverse at some point he just looks like someone in our group of friends in 20 years <laughs> and it's like shit no wonder we like you man you're basically one of us yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah so that was uh that was a good one i guess uh to transition on over from dc to marvel we had the penultimate issue in avengers no surrender this week yeah which i guess kind of was its ending really in a way, this all the big finale stuff happened here, and then we're going to get another issue that I'm going to guess is going to lead us into Jason Aaron's Avengers run. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we got to see everyone come together, fight the Challenger. Uh, Living Lightning got to be the coolest dude ever for a minute. Yeah, they, they kind of remembered remembered him which is really kind of ironic because his whole like deal was about being remembered this issue and or like being forgotten as he played the poker game with a grandmaster yeah legacy is a major theme of this comic and how we will be remembered and it's great because you know uh, all the other heroes are trapped and everyone else is busy fighting grandmaster so living lightning puts himself on the line to try and save all the heroes who were captured by challenging grandmaster to a poker game because you know that's that's his sickness he just can't say no and so he keeps betting things like oh well, i i bet my life you know i bet the earth and then he says you know i i bet my memories and my reputation that if i lose you can erase <laughs> me from history like you did the challenger or you can make me remembered as like a d-list 
loser who never did anything important. Which, of course, the Grandmaster doesn't know that Living Lightning is already kind of a D-list loser <laughs> hero. But that's the genius of it, where it's like, I got you because I know your ego and your hubris will not make yeah. you make that bet. And then he has the best line ever, where Grandmaster like, I have to know, I had a straight flush. What what cards did you have? Only for Lightning to be like, honey, I don't even play cards. <laughs> Uh, he he became the savior. <laughs> Living lightning beat a goddamn elder of the universe. Beat a god by lying to him better. <laughs> See, because when you're a D-list loser hero, you have nothing to lose, which makes you the most effective, actually. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. Oh, that was so cool. Uh, Scarlet Witch again proving to be the most useful member of the team because she unlocks, she basically takes the limiters off everyone else and lets them become their most powerful self. Pretty, yeah. Again, we like talked about this last issue. I'm like, I, I guarantee none of this will like ever be seen again. No, no. Like, I'm shocked they did it twice. We're like, that power's too good. That power's broken. Yeah. You, you need to nerf that power in the next update <laughs> because literally every time there's an alien invasion or Galactus or evil doubles from another universe, why does Wanda just not come around and you know unlock everyone's full potential? Yeah, yeah. Again, like. Yeah, it's something you can't have because it's it's too powerful. You, you got to at least write a line into it where she's like, oh, you know, I severely weakened myself doing it. Or, you know, every time yeah. I do it, I, I threaten destroying the universe or doing another House of M. I really shouldn't push myself that hard. Yeah, yeah. You got to have that one thing where it's like, oh, if I do it again, I'll like break the the magical barrier and yeah. horrible stuff will happen or something. I'll, I'll destroy magic again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if, if if I do it, sex goblins will come out of the ground and finger everybody, so I can't do it ever again. <laughs> you gotta have a reason, even if it's a stupid reason. A stupid reason is better than no reason at all. <laughs> That's how I've always felt. Yeah, and, and I think, like, probably, like, the most interesting and kind of sad thing is, like, Voyager kind of, like, is the one who, like, rallies all the Avengers yeah. to defeat uh, Challenger Prime, and he she like kind of like fades off yeah in the into the distance just at the end of it and lets the heroes have their their thing mm. so she's like the forgotten avenger i'm i'm sure that's their wait and see moment where it's like did you like voyager would you like to see voyager again in another thing we can write her again in another thing but only if you liked her <laughs> i liked her i, I thought she was all right I like to, it's funny people were losing their goddamn mind when she first came out. They're like, ah, Secret Avenger, ah, new women character, ah, to where it's like, oh, she was actually a double agent. Oh, she actually had a pretty interesting story and uh, set of powers. Oh, she actually comes full circle by at first she manipulated the Avengers' minds for evil, then at the end she manipulates them for good. All right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, good stuff. I, I enjoyed it, and that final page of them all standing together, heroic and triumphant, I'm like, ah, that feels good. Yeah, this is an Avengers book. It's an Avengers book. It's a feel-good Avengers book. It's something we haven't gotten in a very long time in an era of, like, civil wars and everything. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm excited for what Jason Aaron's going to do. I'm excited for what the next issue is going to be, since it seems to be, like, it's probably going to be, like, a wrap-up tie-off to because they still got to, like, explain, like, like what the fuck happened to the Hulk? He got like punched into yeah. space, and uh, yeah, and all this other stuff. I'm sure it'll be to set up uh, what is it? What series are coming next? Also, other questions. Uh, hey, what happened to Doctor Doom and Iron Man? Yeah, yeah, they 
what did, did Iron Man get frozen? Uh, I think Riri got frozen, but we didn't yeah. see Tony, which is like, wait, is this before or after Tony came back? But why isn't Dr. Doom? I know the villains got frozen too, but was he counted as a hero or a villain during all this time? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of question marks. I feel like if they have like one final issue, Jim Zub and uh, Al Ewing and Mark Wade are going to use it to spin off into what they're writing next. That's what I would do. Yeah, yeah, they'll do what each of them are writing, plus probably set up Jason Aaron stuff. Yeah, be like, hey, Hulk was pretty fucking badass in this, wasn't he? You want to see what's happening with him? Go follow his book. Man, Quicksilver disappeared. You should probably buy Saladin Amid's miniseries when it comes out and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, Mark Wade, here's some Doctor Strange shit that's happening. You should come read this. Mm-hmm. Amongst other things. <laughs> and Jim Zub's like, yo, I got champions. It's pretty all right. <laughs> they got a mobile command base now. It looks like a G.I. Joe toy. I think it's cool. <laughs> that, that was literally his first issue. The team works together on building a mobile command base that looks like a G.I. Joe toy. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, that is something teens would build for themselves. That's exactly what I would build if you gave me the money. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we put the subwoofers and this is where we put the slurpy machine <laughs> it's fucking dope as shit but yeah so that was avengers no surrender the penultimate issue pretty good yeah i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed this whole series it's not been a bad issue it was wonderfully refresh it's i say it's refreshing but in a fact it couldn't have been more old school and old timey in avengers tale yeah, well, it's something we haven't had an Avengers book like this for a while. We've had Avengers books, but they've all been pretty, you know, mediocre. Yeah, yeah this is this is one of those absence makes the heart grow fonder type thing. This was a blast from the past. Yeah. Uh, what else did you have this week, Matt? Uh, I had the final issue of Christopher Priest's Justice League and the final oh, issue yes. of Justice League before No Justice Begins. Oh, it's funny how Avengers and Justice League are on basically the same path right now yeah yeah uh this is yeah the end of christopher priest's no win scenario the fan storyline whatever you want to call it uh it has deathstroke fighting the justice league uh since he's involved with red lion in this thing that's going on in africa with the with the justice league trying to get involved in what's going on there right. uh it, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of smart because they like they like talk slayed down kind of <laughs> and like they they like play up to his like ego a little bit where they're right. like look we know so i was like look we know you're here to like fuck up red lion's plans because you know that's what you do you like you like wars and all that sort of stuff that's also a storyline um, that's been going on also written by chris priest in the deathstroke yeah. book yeah i'm just like so here's what we do we'll pretend to be defeated by you to lure red lion out and kind of like scare off all the people uh so like all the people get dispersed and everything or the refugees go away so there's no like no people in the area right, right for them for them to get get harmed and everything well all that's going down last issue i, I can't remember i said like wonder woman got shot um so she's been sort of helped by raven oh nice. um and sent to like hell i guess it was <laughs> uh where she fought thanatos the god of death oh shit nice uh, Greek. who who funny enough look kind of looks like batman in a way like really? he's, he's like he's like all skulls and everything but like he's got like a like a bat skull sort of 
horns and everything. Yeah. I, I guess Chris Priest was also getting ready for God of War, the new one that came out. He had to have his own little diversion <laughs> where Wonder Woman kicks out of hell. Yeah, yeah, she does. She like beats him at his own game and everything. Uh, that was really cool. Um, and yeah, it was just sort of like tying everything down and getting ready for no justice. And uh, what, what was the funniest thing I really liked about the series is right near the beginning, Superman says to Baz that they they should get together and go out to get lunch. Mm. And the whole series, the whole series, all of Simon's like dialogue has been him obsessing about that and like what does it mean? It's like what. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, what does it mean when this guy asked me to go to lunch? What, what's going to happen? And they finally pay it off this issue where, like, Clark invites him to lunch and he arrives and he's like, you've got to fire me, aren't you? You've got to, like, kill me and <laughs> fire me. And, and, like, Clark's just sitting there trying to order and he just, like, takes off. <laughs> this is so funny. Nice. It's just so funny. That's what's um, called a long con joke is what that's called. Yeah, uh, Cyborg, obviously, it isn't really like clear whether he's still the leader of the justice league i don't think he is uh because he does um snyder ain't gonna very... honor that <laughs> no no batman or someone will be the leader um he does get mad at batman though uh, for like because batman pushed him into being the leadership so he actually punches batman and gives oh. batman what for which is really cool nice. um and yeah the the end is just them setting up like their this seems to be taking place after JLA has finished because in JLA at the moment, they're like building that new like hall of justice and everything. Um, and this seems to imply that at the end of this, they're in that we're not really because, um, all the team arrive, including Martian Manhunter to get ready for no justice. Like whatever's happening in that, they, they go off to deal with a big crisis or something. Nice, nice use of continuity. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. It was a really cool series. I really liked that he that he did a book that wasn't you know big alien invasion. Mm-hmm. It was something the league couldn't you know punch or use gadgets or powers on. It they had to a, think about. It. it was a breath of fresh air. I applaud Christopher Priest for basically being like, "Hey, let's give the Justice League Avengers problems this week." Yeah, exactly. That, that's exact, that's the good way to to explain it. The Avenger, they get Avengers problems in this arc. Yeah, just re- real problems. <laughs> and they're written way more down to earth and way more fallible than they've ever been. Yeah, yeah, they are. It's not too bad at all. Uh, I guess the other big storyline that was uh, continuing this week, we got Infinity Countdown number two. Yeah, so Guardians of the Galaxy issue one fifty two or a, whatever it would be up. <laughs> yeah, with a with a little Adam Strange backup story in there that actually moves it forward. And man, I feel so punked to the point where I'm like, man, I should have just been reading Jerry Duggan's Guardians all the time, shouldn't I? I and mean, he's gonna make you read it now. <laughs> yeah, well that's the thing. This this is meant to be like a big event, and I'm like, this just this doesn't feel like a big event. It just feels like a like your Guardians series ended early and you're able to finish up in this, in this like short run. <laughs> Look, we didn't trust you to finish his Guardians of the Galaxy run and it was going to be really <laughs> important to what was going to happen in Infinity War. So we had to, we had to trick you. We had to put an event sticker on this, even though it's totally <laughs> not. Yeah, it, it, no, it, it really isn't. It does not feel like an event. No, it really is. It's now that being said, it's a pretty solid Guardians of the Galaxy story with some fun yeah. uh, little stinger stuff with Adam Strange, but it's not the it is not the event you're looking for. Yeah, it's not the event we were promised. 
No, it really isn't. It really isn't. And I don't know. Maybe that'll change. Again, we got these other tie-ins coming up with like Daredevil and Champions. And everything. Yeah. Maybe that'll have more going on. Yeah, but like these first these first two issues, as well as like that Prime book, mm. were all Guardians of the Galaxy related. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Was. Yeah. So was, I kind of felt like like Douglas like, hey, I've got these Guardian scripts just lying here. I'm just gonna <laughs> take them and take the front cover off them Absolutely. and put Infinity. <laughs> well, you see, I don't think it was his choice because they ended his Guardians run prematurely to start this. So I'm like, oh, so so, so y'all knew what was up. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I was reading it. And I'm like, these are all like storylines of of a Guardians book with Richard Ryder meeting his brother Robbie yep. and and then protecting the Power Stone and and oh, Ultron was built up in that book. So oh, here's Adam Strange. He was built up in that book as well. The pregnant Nova finally giving birth. I'm yeah, like, I'm like, yep, this is a paid off storyline if ever I've seen one. Yeah, so I, I'm really glad I read that Guardians run now. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to double back now. I got volume three. I'm like, all right, let's double back and do this shit. Because <laughs> I feel like I should be appreciating this way more than I actually am. It's good, but I'm not appreciating as much as I should be. Yeah, and I get the feeling a lot of people will be saying that. Yeah, I think this one turned people off where it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. So this is all it's going to be, huh? So just read the last five pages is what you're telling me. Yeah, and that's really all you did. Really, all you needed to do, you just needed to read Adam Strange going to Ultron's planet and finding out he's trying to fuck with the the Silver Surfer. Yeah, he's just jamming computer parts into him, trying to assimilate <laughs> him to the Borg side. <laughs> uh, once I was Norrin Rad, now I am the cutest, an Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that being said, I'm glad Pimtron's actually getting something. Me too. He's such an interesting character, he and they're really just like, is. oh, no, no one wants to use him. Yeah, he's super interesting. He's probably one of the best new villains they've created, which is hilarious because they just smashed two characters together. Yeah. He he literally became Composite Santa from a uh, Robot Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I am composite Tron. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was all right. Uh, what else did I have this week? Oh, ooh, we had Tom King Batman also this week. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as his last one, but it like wasn't. I read it and I'm like, I have a few questions. <laughs> yeah, this this issue played to his strengths, and that is, no scene went on for too long. They were all very short little vignettes. And I can't complain about him writing people out of character because this is like one of those dark alternate present futures where everyone's going to be different anyway. Yeah. But in saying that, you can sort of say they write him out of character. Like, why is Dick Grayson Batman what? if he never met Bruce Wayne or any of that? <laughs> yeah. How on earth could he become Batman if there was no Bruce Wayne to be inspired by the bat crashing through the window for him to turn into Batman. Also, if this is Dick Grayson, who was a traveling circus kid, why is he still in Gotham? Did his parents die at the circus in Gotham and he's just been there that whole time? If so, who took care of him? Should he not have gone with the circus after that? Yeah. yeah. Again, no real sense. No. I will say uh, Jason Todd being a tacky tire salesman in Gotham City <laughs> is pretty fucking hilarious. It is. It is pretty hilarious. Um, there's also like the thing with like the Joker because I know right. I know it's like always fast and loose with the Joker's origins, but people like to tie Batman and the Joker together. They sure do. Where like Batman's the reason the Joker yeah. was born, or Joker was the reason. Yeah, and so like. 
if there was no Batman, why is there a Joker? Well, not just why is there a Joker, why are Jokers. there many Jokers, plural? How did that happen? And and Jokers who are taking over heroes, like, like infecting them, like we see with Hal Jordan blowing his brains out because he's infected with a Joker toxin or yeah. something. To which Booster Gold says, awesome, to where I'm like, I don't think Booster would say that yeah no the, this booster especially after like the big superman story where he actually learnt something yeah. something very important yes. uh he, he's a, he's a real idiot yeah he he writes him like a dumbass which you know okay you know credit where credit is for king yes booster gold has been a dumbass for a long slate of his career but he's not this dumb and he's not this uncaring yeah and, and especially after a story that involved traveling through time and messing with one's history like yes. in the superman book and here he's just like oh, i'm gonna mess with bruce's history because yeah. of the black black mercy and like did you did you not like listen to anyone who told you about the black mercy yeah. oh, it's horrible also he says it wrong he says black orchid he doesn't say black yeah. mercy to where i'm like okay is that did tom king not get the memo did he get it wrong or is he writing booster gold to be a dumbass who gets it wrong I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know either to where I'm like, okay, I can't bust you on this because maybe it was intentional. Also, once again, uh, our theory that we've been playing around with forever now, and that is that Tom King secretly only took Batman so he could take the piss out of Batman because he doesn't like Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is written like a whiny, petulant child in this one who puts everyone else in danger for his own happiness. But hey, it's an alternate version of Bruce Wayne, so that flies yeah 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 but I, but I feel like tom king had way too much fun writing that scene oh yeah yeah this is uh, finally writing the the bruce wayne i know i want to write yeah did i mention bruce wayne sucks because i think he sucks <laughs> and uh what's some other things oh yeah skeets is now like a time machine yeah which is also dumb where it's like, wait, but Booster Gold doesn't need Skeets to time travel. He had a whole time ship in that Superman story. Yeah, and like, well, if Skeets could time travel, why didn't they mention that in that story? And it would have been easy with like a throwaway line, like after that that Superman event, they installed yeah. like a little one in, in Skeets. But no, don't get any of that. That would require Tom King to read something outside of his books. That's, that's the thing. It's like, look, you can't hold Tom King responsible for writing an out-of-continuity booster goal. He probably only just heard about the character that morning when he started writing him. <laughs> he, he heard Dan Jurgens talking about something called a booster gold. He's like, that sounds fun. I should put that in my story. <laughs> I would do it. You'll see. And yeah, the, the whole story is, per, is you know, uh, what is it? Precedented on something really stupid. And that is Booster Gold being like, I should go back and get Bruce Wayne's parents so they can like attend his wedding and he won't be sad for a day and everything. And it's like, that's a terrible idea on a million levels, but all right. Why? why why would you do you're meant to be like helping not fuck up time yeah, you it's, know it's not your only job booster to keep this stuff from happening should booster not travel back in time and stop himself from being so stupid yeah yeah <laughs> again shaky premise aside it actually wasn't too bad hats off to tony daniel's art too it was a really pretty looking book 
It was, and um, but I know like a lot of the stuff in this book won't pay off. Like I know, like seeing all those, all all what's happening with all the Robins won't ever pay off. Yeah, that nothing will happen there with them. So like, why show them? Yeah, because I mean, you know, it's a, the, the this is a guy who has problems explaining and doing world building in the main universe. You think he's gonna bend over backwards <laughs> to do it here in this crazy time travel story? Yeah, yeah. But again, but not as bad as the last two arcs. I was actually able to read this one, and I didn't want to pull my hair out when it was over. Yeah, yeah, I did have, like, questions and, like, concerns. But, yeah, I wasn't, like, fuming and everything. Yeah. It, it feels like Tom King should really have, like, what is it, like a group of other writers with him where people can be like, okay, question before you do that. Question. <laughs> I thought that, isn't that, like, the editor's job? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> What's the Batman editor doing sleeping? I mean, like, none of the other books have this problem. Yeah, I don't understand it. Has, like, his job just been too easy for too long now that he's not checking the papers anymore? Yeah, is he one of those people that's like, oh, it's Tom King, he writes Mr. Miracle, this will be good anyway, I don't need to do anything. Probably. Which, actually, hey, it's funny, he put a little Batman jab in Mr. Miracle from, uh, like, a week ago, actually yeah something about batman eats babies or something batman kills babies because like he has a kid now and the baby has like a little batman toy in the crib to which he's like no he can't have that crib death happens all the time you heard it here first batman kills babies (laughs) and i'm like wow maybe you were the wrong person to take batman because you cannot seem to help but talk about how shitty he is Which, don't get me wrong, there's a lot that's shit about Batman. No two ways about it, but there's two ways to tackle it. The way you're tackling it, and the way, like, Sean Gordon Murphy tackled it in his story. Yeah, or, or like, how Tynan's tackling it in Detective. Exactly. You can have Batman be a shit. It's very easy to write Batman as a shit, but you need to write him as a person you actually want to keep reading about. He needs to have some likability to him, or at least be good at what he does. Yeah. He can't be yeah. a shit and be incompetent. <laughs> That's the problem. But yeah, so that was Batman. Not as bad. I'm actually, you know, okay reading the rest of this, where before I was dreading it. Yeah, and I'm interested to see how it's going to pay off, if it pays off. If it pays off at all. Uh, what else did you have going on, Matt? I had, like, one uh, more book this week. Um, I think that's pretty much it. All right, then I will quickly talk about Spider-Man 799. Okay. Uh, so Norman Osborn has the Carnage symbiote now. He's running around as the Red Goblin, trying to enact a bunch of revenge. He broke Peter <laughs> Parker's leg, which means he can't go out and fight. But using his brain for once, he actually gets together all of his amazing spider friends. So Silk comes back, and Miles Morales comes back, and the Human Torch joins him, and Clayton Clash, Cole comes back. Okay. Yeah, he builds like a spider army. He's like, okay, look, he's clearly going to attack my family. I've seen this movie before. We just wait at all the important people in my life, and as soon as Osborne shows up, then, you know, we'll attack them all together, basically. <laughs> but he doesn't go after them. He goes after his own family. He tries and kidnap, uh, tries to kidnap his grandkids from Harry. Okay. And that's because he wants to pass on the Osborne legacy to someone else. He wants to turn one of those kids into a red goblin, too. Uh, Agent Anti-Venom shows up, and Agent Anti-Venom is maybe one of the only people who can actually hurt him right now, because being an Anti-Venom, he can burn away the symbiote. Yeah. But of course, because, you know, Osborn's a crazy villain, he's like, ooh, you know, you could you could stop me, or you could save these people, and Flash is like, damn it, I have to save the people, always with the people. <laughs> 
and Spider-Man shows up on his broken leg and he's like, I don't think I can beat him, guys. He beat you all half to death. And I got this broken leg. And Flash is like, <laughs> shut up, take this. And he grabs his arm and it's implied that he like gave him a bit of the anti-venom suit or he like maybe gave him some leftover venom stuff that was in him but basically he's gonna have the black suit in issue 100 of course in 800 and it's gonna be red goblin versus black suit spider-man okay and that's what it's building up to it's i mean again it didn't blow me away it didn't change my life but i'm like you know this is actually pretty cool to see all of these guys together and to actually see spider-man trying to use his brain for once and think tactically yeah yeah that's pretty cool yeah and red goblin's a good threat and i've always enjoyed the soap opera of the osborne family and they take it into some pretty interesting directions they imply hey harry you know your mom who you thought was dead or missing for years what if she wasn't dead or missing (laughs) what if she's actually been here this whole time wouldn't wouldn't that fuck with you Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing they're like they're getting ready to move over to into um expenses run, aren't they? Yes, yes, they are. Yeah. Which actually, hey, the free comic book day issue uh, uh leaked out online already, and I may have looked at a couple panels accidentally, of course. I think I might have seen them as well. You might have seen them. Pete Pete gets not one but two new roommates, and one is very familiar. <laughs> and here you and I were asking how long is it going to be before Nick Spencer goes back to the superior foes of Spider-Man? Well, uh the answer is instantly. The answer is right away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, which to me I'm like fuck yeah. <laughs> and and again, you know, for those of you who are like, man, you know Spencer's a really funny guy with Ant-Man and Superior Foes and all these other indie books he does. H- how does he go about writing a funny Spider-Man? Very well. Yeah. He writes a chuckle-worthy Spider-Man. In fact, he even has a little bit of a treatise in the comic about Spider-Man's brand of humor, where he's like, look, man, you know, I'm not like any of these other comic characters like Wolverine who just go snick, bub, growl. I gotta work topical. I gotta work everybody. I'm basically superhero Letterman. <laughs> and, man, big respect on that guy for doing it as many years as he did. It's hard to write Spider-Man jokes. I'm like, I agree. Yep. You you clearly know what's up. You clearly understand the character. Thumbs up, Spencer. <laughs> to a to a long and healthy run for you, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I guess that was basically it for the week, huh? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I guess we can start winding the show down then, huh? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, thank you for watching everyone i hope you enjoyed it uh as always if you are a member of patreon you can listen to this show first before anyone else in both uh audio version that is submitted by me and video version that is submitted by matt yeah yeah and uh, only for a dollar a month only for for as little as a dollar a month you can pledge whatever you want but for as little as a dollar a month you get access to the podcast and uh, actually here, I was trying to stall for time because we actually got some new patrons that I wanted to send uh, I wanted to send some shout-outs to because I forget to do that time to time. I know other YouTubers have, like, actual things at the end where it's like, you know, here's a little banner saying, you know, this video made uh, possible by people like this. But because our patrons are always changing, it's hard to keep track of who's who. Yeah. But yes, uh, a special uh, shout-out to It's Loading, It's Loading. It's loading. Uh, uh, big uh, shout out to JC Stills and Gabriel uh, for being two new patrons for this month. So thank you guys so much for that one. It's much appreciated. You help keep the lights on at this operation. You help keep the show on SoundCloud where you can actually go and listen to uh, the show uh, completely ad-free the day after 
for those interested. Mm-hmm. You can download it. You can carry it around with you. You also help me pay Matt every month, so thanks for that <laughs> as well. That's always much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Matt? Yeah. Any other projects you want uh, to Not really. I'm, I'm, I'm actually catching up on my backlog of comics at the moment. It's pretty big. Right on. Uh, I've gotten back to streaming again. If you go to the Cape Joel Twitch, I was doing a little God of War, and if you want to see uh, re-uploaded versions of it, go to the Joel Daily YouTube channel where I actually try and edit uh, those bigger sections up to look nice and everything so you can see that over there as well. Be sure to subscribe, because I need to reach a ridiculous number of both views and subscribers before I can actually turn on monetization for that channel. Oh, okay. Thanks, YouTube. Thank you, YouTube creators who know exactly who they are, who fucked it up for everybody. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And on that wonderfully bitter note, we will leave you for this week. I've been Joel. I'm Matt. Bye-bye, everybody.